This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Here we are. Here we are. We're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. What else could I say that you would repeat? I was expecting you to be like more on top of like, give me a say that I was an idiot or something. I just, I just don't have that in me, though. I don't have that me bone in my body. Ew. Yeah, welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And if you know us, uh, you know... You know us, come on. <laughs> you know us. Yeah. If you know us, you know that we are a little saddened, I use the term little lightly, uh, by some events. Some in, stuff. It's, it's, been a, it's been a rough week. And in the United States of America. Yeah, and we've we've put out... We're we're gonna try and keep that like roughness out of the show because people seem to want us to provide an escape hatch for them. But like, where's our escape hatch? Yeah, we might. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, we've we've we're torn around the idea of doing some sort of standalone. Just we need to talk, and you guys and gals and everyone else are an amazing community of listeners. So like whatever let's chat about it yeah, yeah let's just like we just need to get some stuff off our chest um but yeah we're we're not gonna do that today no um, this is a podcast about books and in the spirit of being a podcast about books let's talk about books right yeah andrew what genre of book do you think would be ideal for this week's show do you uh, think preferably some kind of like dystopian near future yeah. <laughs> something or other? How about something that Wikipedia describes as both cyberpunk and post cyberpunk? What do either of those words mean? <laughs> I don't know. What do what? What? I think computers are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, like what is like what's post cyberpunk even? I don't even I don't know how much you've like researched the genres. I just want to know how something can be simultaneously a thing and after a thing. I'm I have not researched it at all. If that yeah, helps, right. it doesn't. I am... Is the opposite of helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how you could go beyond cyberpunk, like. Once you get into the punk genre where dystopia exists and you're jamming computers into people. Now, is that what like, cyberpunk is? Is you're just shoving a computer like down, you're taking a phone and you're just shoving it down somebody's throat. Well, Andrew, <laughs> uh, nothing that specific happens but in this book, but it's kind of close. There is definitely... Some people and animals that are like just fused with technology. Um, 
and and binary coding is like a huge. Should we talk about the book that we're reading? We should talk about the book that I That's read. Like I invited you to, and no, I just ignored you. Um, so I read Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. It was uh, recommended to us by a lovely listener and Patreon donor, Eric. Um, and as I said, it's a post cyberpunk cyberpunk story. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't mean anything. That was published in 1992, I believe. Um, and I did not know a lot about Mr. Stevenson coming in, uh, but I I know that he's like a respected icon and definitely like definitely known in the sci-fi like fantasy fiction sphere yes and this like kicked him off the next if not a bigger book but another title that i've at least heard of was the cryptonomicon mm-hmm. that he wrote uh when was when was this book published did you say i said it was 1992 1992 okay because i yeah this is this is his breakthrough this is his first epic science fiction novel snow crash um it's not his first novel his first novel was published in 1984 it's called the big U, and it's like a satirical account of students like going to a like a university and becoming disillusioned when they run up against the establishment which hey some more stuff that book sounds outdated if you ask me um <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore the 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 best thing about the big u is that stevenson apparently is not proud of the book and by the time snow crash came out and made him like a, a better known person it was out of print and he was happy to to leave it that way <laughs> and it was only after discovering people like buying it on ebay for like hundreds of dollars that he that he got another print going because he said like the only thing worse than people reading the book is people paying that much to read the book. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of (laughs) cool. Good on you. Um, Yeah. So there was that. And then the other thing that he did in, in recent years, and this is something that I remembered, I didn't like remember him specifically being involved in it, but I remembered the project was in 2013 or like, I think 2012, 2013, he started a Kickstarter project for this game called Clang. And it's okay. a a sword fighting game that uses like motion controls to like Wii style motion controls to simulate a real sword fighting experience. And the thing about this game is that it infamously got a bunch of money and then ran out of money before it could Ooh. deliver a like a solid product. Crowdfunding. Yeah, crowdfunding. And Stevenson says, I probably focus too much on historical accuracy and not enough on making it sufficiently fun to attract <laughs> additional investment. Oh, my motion controlled sword game my is motion too historically accurate. Sword fighting video game is not fun enough. And so I'm gonna take your half million dollars and just peace with it. Um but yeah, he continues to be in interested in like alternate or augmented reality and virtual reality. He's currently the quote unquote chief futurist for magic leap, which is an augmented reality company. Um, chief futurist seems to me and like, maybe this is just my jaded tech reporter perspective coming into play, but chief futurist seems like a nothing, like a nothing job. <laughs> like you I mean, come in and you tell people like, this is what I think the future is like. And then you go cash your check and you yeah, drink a margarita somewhere like that's I being don't, chief futurist, right? I don't really know what futurists do. They f- they future. They imagine the future. Isn't that just a psychic? 
No, it's different. Because you're using computers. A psychic science. Is, is saying that he or she is going to tell you something that's going to happen to you in the future. And a futurist is just like, this might happen in the future. <laughs> this is, I believe that this is the future. Why don't Let's, you go take this idea and make something out of it? I feel like, well, so the other, I guess the other person that I think of when I hear that is Mr. Kurtzweil. Mr. Mr. Singularity himself, mm-hmm. Ray Kurtzweil. How do you feel mm-hmm. about the singularity, Andrew? Do you want to be a computer boy? Listen, like, I either want to ignore it because it's never going to happen, or I just want it to, like, come and take me already. You know, ooh, could it be like when they were rolling out the commercials for the Wii and, like, two men in suits just came to your door and they were like, we would like to play. And then that you just become a robot. And that's, that's not, how the singularity happens. I do not remember these commercials. Oh, it was, it was good. It was, was they, it? Yeah, it was pretty good. That's how everyone bought a Wii. Yeah. I either want, like, everybody to stop talking about the singularity or I just want sentient robots to decide i'm not good enough anymore and just to like gun me down already like it was just it would make so many things just so much easier okay. if sentient robots would just like end it all just like make it watch it burn man sentient robots it's the fire's turn andrew yep here it comes oh god Books. Hey everybody! <laughs> hey everybody! Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast. Okay, what is all right? So I told you some about Neil Stevenson. You want me to tell you about this book? Yeah, tell me about Snow Crash. Okay. Is it about snow? Why don't you tell me what you think this book's about based on the title? It's about a computer that runs an operating system called Snow, and the operating system crashes. N- but no, <laughs> but. It's about- an avalanche falling on a computer. <laughs> I would crash. read that book. Mm-hmm. Um, Snow Crash is computer lingo, Andrew. I'm quoting from the book. Okay. Uh, it means a system crash at such a fundamental level that it frags the part of the computer that controls the electron beam in the monitor. Frags it. Shut up. Making it spray wildly across the screen, turning the perfect grid work of pixels into a gyrating blizzard. It's also a name of a of a drug in this book, okay, and maybe tell me, a tell me more. maybe a religion, maybe a computer virus. It's all the same, one and the same. So, Snow Crash. Are you gonna get mad about the computer stuff in this book? Is that gonna I'm happen? I'm gonna try not to. I'm just so mad about everything. That okay, it's be hard. But like, <laughs> give me to try, try, try me. That's try cool. Me. We had Salty Andrew last week, and people seemed to dig it, so I can bring him back this week. It it's like cool. like a different sort of. Yeah. So right. in the world of Snow Crash, Andrew, and I'm going to need you to bear with me because some of this stuff is kind of bummery. The government barely exists because everything okay. has been corporatized and privatized. I am with you so far. So like the like roads are privately owned. Yep. And they have to like make their billboards extra cool to make you drive on them. Sounds about right. Um, the U.S. still exists, but it's like divided up into like little suburban communities called burb claves, um, <laughs> or other sovereign enclaves run by big businesses like Mister Lee's Greater Hong Kong, um, or what's the other one? It's like no- Casa Nostra, which is the mafia. Just that's the yeah. 
yeah. our thing is um, the translation. Is that what that read means? A lot about the mafia. Yeah. Why have you read a lot about the mafia? Because you love the Sopranos. Yeah. Because <laughs> when James Gandolfini died a few years ago, Suze and I watched the Sopranos. Like it was the second time for me, first time for her, and. I just then then you get dive down a Wikipedia hole like it's okay. not that it's not that hard to draw okay. that connection. Um, there are mercenary armies that compete for national defense contracts. There are low level like security for- firms that handle normal cop work, uh, like Metacops Unlimited, um, you whom you reach by dialing one eight hundred the cops. <laughs> Pretty sure. good. Okay. Um, hyperinflation has happened so like the minimum currency is like a qu- quadrillion dollars and that's what do you mean the minimum currency like, like that's a penny or that's like a dollar or i don't money's weird in this book most like people are just like exchanging amounts of money sometimes you use kong bucks which is the currency from mr lee's greater hong kong sometimes i thought you... it was like a donkey kong I, it was hard for of... me to not think that every time <laughs> Um, sometimes you use yen, but yeah, money's messed up, um, and that's ruined other countries. So there are a lot of like refugees that try to make it into America, even though it seems like America's not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, there are four things that America now does better than everyone else. I have to find it real quick because it's very specific. Uh, oh, here it is. So what we did was we exported all of our like good trades and businesses and industries. So now there are only four things that America does better than anyone else. Music, duh. Movies, double duh. Microcode slash software. And high-speed pizza delivery. <laughs> Those all sound... This, so far, I don't understand why this is considered fiction. <laughs> Maybe post-cyberpunk means that it's just nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so we meet our our protagonist, who I think to your dismay, Andrew, you will, you will, I think you will not like that his name is Hero Protagonist. You're right. I don't like that. Yeah, and I don't, I haven't been able to find a good reason why his last name is Protagonist. His first name is spelled H-I-R-O, uh, but we meet him when he is still working as a deliverator and that means he works for Casa Nostra Pizza which is run by the mob mafia pizza it <laughs> seems like very stereotypical and okay and if uh if your pie is 30 minutes or late you can have it free shoot the driver take his car and file a class action suit so america yep just Basically. regular America still. And if it's late, uh, Uncle Enzo, who runs the mob, will like fly to your house in a helicopter and like settle it with you. What does that mean? It means that he'll like, you won't have to pay for your pizza and he'll offer you a trip to Italy for free if you sign this document that basically makes you owned by the mob. Listen, I feel like this is not... I feel like none of this makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like late pizza delivery is not worth killing somebody, and also a trip to Italy is not worth signing your life over to the mob. Like, I'm just not going to order pizza if there's any mathematically significant chance that it's going to involve 
owing my life to the mob in some way <laughs> or murder on like your I part. will like I will just get Thai food. I don't like I don't know how Thai food is affected in this world either, but I don't know. Um, but our hero, hero protagonist, has to quote keep moving that za. Uh, so so he's a pizza delivery boy. Yeah, he's a pizza delivery boy. But or the stakes, he's a deliverator. The stakes are very high. And William Shatner's character from the Priceline commercials. <laughs> First major scene of the book is him racing to deliver this pizza that he acquired at like, you know, it was late. It was given to him 21 minutes in already. So he only has seven minutes to deliver this pizza. And Man, so that would go, be, that's a bad way for management to troll a delivery boy they don't like. Pretty bad. It's just like, hey, this pizza was ordered 27 minutes ago. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, maybe you're Can gonna you die. Choose not to shoot the driver. Yes, you don't always have to shoot the driver. It is not that. What people happens, like generally not, or are they just like, man, it's Saturday. I'm ordering a pizza. I'm alone. Like <laughs> it's unexplored. Might as well. Okay. Um, and along this, th- this is not a smooth delivery. I, just, I get. I just. You are hung I up on this right now. I want to know the first time this happened. Mm. I want to know if it's like. If it's a thing where the law got changed to make pizza murder okay, or if pizza murder started happening, and then people were like, well, what we really need to do is talk to the pizza murderers and try to understand their point of view. I don't feel... And then it, and then it normalized pizza murder. I don't think that's what happened. I think the... Oh. I'm just like trying to suss it out. I know you're working really hard. I think the laws <laughs> went away first and like the mafia took over like ba- like cops are private like everything nothing's happening cuz of the government. So Every- you get the like, like the pizza murder law of 2018 yeah. gets passed. I don't even think I, I think they just said like you guys over there are cool with murder? Fine. Government's out. Listen, like, I'm just I'm just saying that if you're going to have pizza murder be a part of your book, you just have to have thought it through. Like I need to know everything about how pizza murder became acceptable so I can avoid pizza murder in my own life, you know? Yeah. No, I hear you. I I'm sorry. There might be answers in this book that I just did not unpack and I apologize. Like we ordered a, we ordered a pizza last night and it's by true. the time it got to our house like it wasn't as hot as I would have liked it to be, but I didn't shoot the delivery boy. I just took the pizza and I ate it. Yeah. And other people ate it too. Like we all ate it. We did and, no- oh. and nobody died as a direct yeah. result of eating that pizza. <laughs> yes. So Andrew, so he's crazy. trying to deliver this pizza along mm-hmm. the way. There's a lot of jargon in this book. He gets pooned by a courier. Gross. Now that means that a person who has like a futuristic skateboard uh rubberized harpooned his car <laughs> <laughs> to like drift off of it. Yeah. There's you- this there's oh, a okay. whole industry of radical courier systems. Radical. Spelled with a K. Radical courier with a K systems. And I don't think there's a postal service anymore. So if you want something delivered, you have to hire a courier. So it's like premium rush. It is like Except premium with harpoon, rush. harpoon skateboarders. Yes. 
and there's lot there's whole sections where our our other uh main character yt which stands for yours truly i don't know what her real name is that's what she goes by she is a 15 year old courier uh who lives on the edge and there's whole passages where she's romanticizing what it is to like drift behind a semi instead of having to harpoon an actual this really, car. This really is premium rush. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Uh, so she, maybe because she has a crush on Hero, it's not quite sure. She decides, she's never met him before until this moment, but she decides after Hero, um, while he's racing to deliver this pizza, he crashes into an empty swimming pool. And she decides to, like, help him deliver the pizza. So that sets her off on this track where the mafia takes notice of her because the pizza was almost late. Like, when the pizza's almost late, Andrew, the mafia helicopter shows up over your house in case things go bad. Just so how you know. Does, like, how do they even have the resources to... Casa Nostra, my man. Like when it's like twenty eight minutes late, better better send out the chopper. Like what? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Uncle Enzo, who runs Casa Nostra, this is just like you keep telling me more about this pizza murder, and I need to know the symbolic importance of pizza murder, or I'm just gonna start getting mad because I don't think I can help you with that, and I pro- I would like to talk about. Not pizza murder. Like, why Why does the pizza murder system exist? Because... What is the deeper societal reason for pizza murder? Okay. I don't know... Okay. In the book, the pizza murder is there to introduce us to uh, the mafia. Okay. And the fact that Uncle Enzo and the rest of the folks in the mafia like to deal with their problems face-to-face... They don't like to deal with abstract problems. So rather than deal with general customer dissatisfaction with late pizzas, they show up at your house after you killed the pizza guy and, like, offer you a trip to Italy. Like, that's just how the mob works in Snow Crash. Okay. And they are one of the major players in the ultimate, like, plot of the book. So you need them to, like, be in the background because Uncle Enzo has to get some get infatuated with yt hero needs to get drawn in and out of the mafia system as he's working on his stuff so that's why pizza murders here andrew can i continue i guess i still i'm I'm just not i'm not you're not satisfied satisfied. i understand you will never be satisfied um not about this pizza murder not about this pizza murder so hero and yt form like a partnership and Hero, since he crashed this pizza car and owes the mob a bunch of money, he kind of has to go back to being a freelance hacker. And one of the things that you do as a hacker is you gather and sell information to the CIC, which I think stands for like Central Intelligence something or other. It's basically the CIA and the Library of Congress merged Because government doesn't work. It's a for-profit organization now. (laughs) And you upload information to the CIC. And if anybody finds it useful, you get paid. So, like, Hero found a discarded film script in a garbage can. 
and uploaded it to the CIC, and then a bunch of people wanted it, so he got a bunch of money. Okay. That's how the future works. Just so sure. you, know, you buy that and sell that information. That and pizza murder. That okay. and pizza murder. So YT and Hero are working together. They're gonna, they're gonna gather information on things, and they're gonna form a partnership. Um, so Hero, as I said, he's a hacker. He lives in uh, like a storage unit, like a U store unit. Andrew, your experience in Infinite Jest would serve you well here because everything here is like. It's that overly branded. We are we're satirizing capitalism to the extreme kind of vibe. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. So it's not just like oh, he lives in a storage unit. He lives in a U store unit or whatever it is. In a U store Cool Ranch Doritos storage yeah. unit. <laughs> True. Um, and hero is like he lives with this guy named Vitali Chernobyl who has like a band um and hero spends a lot of his time in what is called the metaverse so what do you when i say metaverse andrew what do you think i mean i think that you mean our current reality where everything gets <laughs> memed and overanalyzed and referenced to death that's you're correct but you're also wrong. Um, Why, how am I wrong? That's not what I it is in this book. dare you tell me how I'm wrong. That's not what it is in this book, but that's definitely what it is now. Okay. Um, the metaverse is basically an MMO. It's basically Second Life, Andrew. Okay. So it is a three-dimensional virtual world that you enter by like putting on goggles that are connected to your computer and... Uh, and you can buy real estate there, and you can go to clubs there, and you can get in fights. And I don't think you can have sex because I don't think that the avatars can actually touch. So you each got other. everything, like everything but the good stuff. Everything but the good stuff. Let's be honest. Uh, but keep in mind, this book he started writing it in 1988, and the he is credited in some way with the term avatar being popularized for this, but I don't think he came up with it. Like it had already existed in some like Commodore 64 games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but his metaverse concept has been like co-opted um, by other people making these kind of online universes. Okay. Um, and the metaverse was built by a company called Black Systems Incorporated, and uh, Hero used to work for them, as did his uh, ex-girlfriend Juanita, as did his friend David, where the V is a fi- is a, like a five, like he changed the V to the numeric five, because hackers. Of course, because hackers. <laughs> <laughs> it's whenever you need something to happen in a movie or something, but it's just like a hacker, and they just like... They just like here. I'm gonna like imitate being a hacker. I'm just gonna. There, done. I hacked it. Hacked, hacked it. You got into the trunk line. Yep. I opened um, a socket and I hacked it. But you better get in there fast because that's how security works. Yes. Uh, the metaverse is is basically it's a big blank planet that got built up 
And if you're good at hacking, you can have a better house than people who are bad at hacking. Because mm-hmm. you made yourself your hacker house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Meritocracy, got it. And you appear, you can appear however you want, Andrew. This is a quote from the book. Your avatar can look any way you want it to, up to the limitations of your equipment. If you're ugly, you can make your avatar beautiful. If you've just gotten out of bed, your avatar can still be wearing beautiful clothes and professionally applied makeup. You can look like a gorilla or a dragon or a giant talking penis in the metaverse. Spend five minutes walking down the street and you will see all of these. Sounds like Second Life to me. Sounds like Second Life mixed with that weird Infinite Jest story about the, like the Skype masks. Yeah, that the people Skype. Would yeah. Wear, yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, you can also just like go to the equivalent of Walmart and buy an avatar, and they have like stock names like Brandy and Chad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how you get introduced, and you spend eh, a third to 40% of the book in and out of the metaverse as like hero will, if he's in a car and bored, will just like plug in and hop in there. So the plot really kicks off when he's in the metaverse and some dude comes up to him, some dude, I don't think you know his name at this point, but he hands him a card and says, Hey, do you want to try some snow crash? He's like, I don't know what that is. He's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly yeah and he hands him what is called a hyper card which i think is some sort of internet business card okay (laughs) where if you like rip it like a fortune cookie like it like stuff comes out of it and uh he declines to use this snow crash card um and his he sees his ex-girlfriend juanita also in the metaverse and she hands him another hypercard that says Babel slash infopocalypse Babel as in like the tower of Babel Babel mm-hmm. Babel 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 we'll say Babel we'll say Babel uh and of course he goes to his friend David with a with a five and he's like hey I got this weird card from this guy who was like hey do you want to try snow crash and David's like, hey, I'll try some Snow Crash. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And he rips the card, and another like avatar appears, one of the off-the-shelf models, like holding two scrolls. And she opens them in his face, and it like basically freezes his face for he's like staring at a bitmap image that like messes up his face for a period of time. And then uh later he is he's just disconnected from the metaverse he goes like full polygon his avatar gets wigged out completely and uh he has to get like extracted from his own club in the metaverse and then when hero leaves the metaverse he learns that like david collapsed on his computer and is now in like a catatonic state Mm-hmm. So Snow Crash is going to mess you up. Of course. Of course. So the next, like, from there on out, we are trying to figure out, like, what Snow Crash is, who's using it, who's doing what with it. And the other, this Babel card that he received, um, he does open that up. 
and it adds hero it adds this like whole wing to his house that's like a library full of all sorts of research that Juanita was doing and uh it has like a Jarvis like a personalized Siri character that shows mm-hmm. up that's just called the librarian it's it's like an AI sort of thing yeah or like yeah it's a little devoid of personality in 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 terms of that trope I kinda, like, do we do we know if it's if it's supposed to be like some all seeing like interconnected like watching over us character or is it just like a friendly AI and we don't really just talk about what the implications of that are or what like is it, it is, a it's a standalone computer program. thing or is it like a Google product? Uh, ooh, it is it is a what do you mean by a Google product? It's just like it's it exists and it's like free, but it also just like needs your data to live. No, I don't think it's that. I think it is specifically programmed uh, for this like room of research. Okay. Um, by a guy named Lagos, and so there are large swaths of this book that are just Hero talking to the librarian AI about ancient Sumerian culture and language. Sure myth and myth and religion and how religion has spread and how all of this relates to the tower of babel myth um and the destructive and constructive power of language mm-hmm. um why does any of this matter because apparently snow crash is a virus that is very similar to some like mythical virus from ancient Samaria because of course because Andrew because of course (laughs) and what do you think so this gets into something that I don't really know a lot about and I don't know if you've have you like how much do you know about linguistics Andrew not like a ton like you know who Noam Chomsky is sort of yeah okay so there's like two viewpoints on like how your brain deals with language and one is that like language shapes your brain because it's a mode of thought so that as you learn language uh it like hardwires your brain a certain way okay the other is there are underlying structures to your brain that dictate what language is and I, I don't. I think that's where Chomsky falls down. I don't really remember. Um, but this whole like myth from ancient Samaria about this guy named Enki, who comes up with this like word of power curse that undoes the Sumerian language and creates all of these other languages and makes it so that like instead of languages being inherently similar languages tend to split apart it's you know like every couple years we talk about whether or not people in america have different accents and it's like well philly philly people say water weird and the upper midwest still has an accent and that's about it uh i mean there are other accents sure yeah there there's a (laughs) wide variety of southern accents that i Mm. i don't know well enough um but that's not even getting into languages but this is this book kind of explores that in a way that's like it's tied to the plot 
in so much as this virus is based in the idea that it doesn't have to be a biological thing for it to be a virus. Kind of like the ring in that way. Okay, sure. Um, And then it makes a little bit of a metaphorical and thematic leap to like hacking and what hacking, like what it means to create in a in a digital space the way that language can create in the real world um i guess i don't know what you mean okay so by being able to put like names to things in the real world like as you grow up and acquire language mm-hmm. like you are then able to both ascribe meaning to things and derive meaning from things okay um and hackers have this like extra power where they are like creating things out of nothing using just ones and zeros just like code digit- just co- just raw code yeah just say um, code yeah you know you don't have to say like ones and zeros <laughs> but that's really important they're just using html to like make the well but hey <laughs> but that's important in this book because they talk about how like real hackers don't even need those intermediary languages like they can get just okay get, they just read binary like it's the matrix yeah they just get to the bottom of it okay right? sure in the same way andrew wait for it that the ancient like sumerian language was so simple in a way that we can't comprehend because we're now like We've tried to layer too much stuff over top. Yes, of it. like we are the C plus plus of languages. But like, don't don't languages get more complicated for like a good reason? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think, know about the value this, judgment. This, ex- this exists in pretty much everything, but there's this persistent belief that like the simple, natural like stripped down form of something is somehow inherently like if not superior than like inherently valuable compared to like I don't know something that has a lot of different like layers and something like like take for example like I don't know revolutions or grassroots movements or something it's just, it's hard to get away from this cuz this is what's on our mind but like sure I think there's a tendency to see like this new, simple, stripped down thing as like radical and preferable to the like whatever gunked up legacy weird system that we have now. Even if there are like a bunch of perfectly good reasons for like why the system exists as it does. Mm, mm -hmm, It's like mm -hmm. people fetishize simple things and like pure things. Sure. Yeah, and they and they and they form like ideological movements around it, while not really considering why the system isn't like that in the first place. I don't know if I'm making a lot of sense. But. I think you are. I would I would disagree with you if we're talking about like specific poetic. I I think you're you are responding to what is happening in the world right now, and you're talking about like systems and communities and complexity is our friend there. Um, mm-hmm. I think there is. I, I would not want to sacrifice, say, the beauty of simplicity in in some aspects of language because that actually, for me anyway, uh, when something is simple enough that it does not lose complex meaning but actually, like, allows for multiple meanings, 
that is interesting to me and that's mm-hmm. you know that's verse that's poetry that's not like let's talk about how government works like that's a different conversation <laughs> um so all that to say that with this book in the future when information is one of the few things that is valuable um and the way that information spreads becomes very important uh this like virus has become weaponized and it has roots all the way to the very roots of language as we understand it today okay sure um and then it gets conflated with the idea of religion because all of this has to do with sumerian myth and then there's a long tract about like whether or not religion spreads like a virus or not um and of course all of this is being uh perverted and exploited by a media mogul, Andrew. <laughs> Great. Um, a media Good. mogul named glad. L-, L. Bob Reif, who through a series of you know events has amassed a lot of wealth and owns what is essentially like he's like a evil you know, Comcast Verizon guy but like more powerful, more powerful than so a, those companies like a, already a com- are a Comcast Verizon guy. I did whatever you said. Um, and through series of like massive donations, whatever he basically owns Reverend Wayne's pearly gates, which is a Pentecostal church franchise. Of course. Uh, he also purchased a giant aircraft carrier called the enterprise from the United States. He made it his personal yacht and then while sailing around the world he began like picking up refugees from other com- from other countries and it became this giant like flotilla called the raft and there are all these people that they call refuse of course and he is like sailing it towards the US as some sort of reckoning and what do you know he somehow through the magic behind the snow crash virus i presume um can control groups of people on that raft through like glossolalia you know what glossolalia is andrew i do not know it sounds is, like a flower it is well that would be lovely but it's speaking in tongues well, the gloss the glossolalias are in bloom <laughs> well you could probably say that if someone was speaking in tongues, I've never <laughs> seen that in person. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like it might be accurate. So that gets to the root of this like Sumerian word magic, where if you're speaking in really simple syllables, you can kind of control people and it has this mystical thing. Um, it's also tied to a very real biological virus. This book is very complicated. Um, so Rife is planning to use this, linguistic virus thing um to weaponize a bunch of refugees against the united states meanwhile he's enlisted this um alut native raven um whose like family was you know destroyed by the united states and his dad like was nuked twice like his dad was like a pow in nagasaki and then was like living at a testing range in 19 in the the 70s um and so raven wants to destroy the united states in some capacity and he is the guy who's going around 
handing out snow crash to people. Okay. Um, and so then like the book is the book kind of takes off from there as a like how are we going to prevent this new infopocalypse, which is what the original like Babel split is referred to. Right. Um I kinda I, I will say I kinda lost the thread of the book once they get to the raft. So like three quarters of the way through you get us you pr- pretty much know who all the major players are you get a sense that the mafia while they are like bad guys they're not the worst guys um and hero is like running from people and yt has been captured and taken to the raft and you're in this like migrant flotilla and i just there's just too much going on it's like it's it's gotten away from the hacker world that the first half of the book really sets up and is just like a really long action sequence for a period of time. Okay. That I know like that can be fun but it can also be once you get once you start doing an action thing for too long it can actually get kind of boring. And it's just it, like read action over and over and over again. That's what, like the last wheel of time book, the one that was like ghost, like partially ghost written by the other guy was like, mm-hmm. like the 14, 13, however many books it was that were like building up to it got to the end. And then you just had to have like a big book long battle and it got pretty tedious actually. Yeah. And Instead I of just... being like fun and kinetic and, <laughs> and whatever. Well, cause yeah, it doesn't, it loses its sense of pace. Right. Um, there is a section earlier in the book that I think is amazing, and it is an Tell action sequence. Tell me more about it. So uh, this is uh, before we really know what Snow Crash is, is up to, though we know that things aren't great. Um, Hero, in his spare time, uh, he promotes concerts for his roommate, his storage container roommate, Um and at this concert, uh, they're going to show off this guy, this rapper, this Japanese rapper named Sushi K. And he's very excited because no one respects Japanese rappers. And he's trying to, you know, break in. So he's going to do a set at Vitaly's concert. And uh, it's it's juxtaposed with this elaborate chase sequence where we first meet uh raven and he's like throwing spears at people and killing them and uh there's like a crip and a cop and hero who has samurai swords and like it's a huge thing and it's offset by sushi k's rap that i just want to read some of it to you andrew because i feel like you will appreciate it we'll see about that um, <laughs> I'm Sushi K and I'm here to say I like to rap in a different way oh no look out number one in every city Sushi K rap has almost pretty my special talking of remarkable words is not the stereotyped bucktooth nerd my hair is big as a galaxy because I attain greater technology so this is again just like just for context. This is a 
white man no, no, writing he's... a rap okay, in nineteen ninety two. Correct. So of course it starts out like my name is whoever and I'm here to say <laughs> He's not supposed to be good. I will I'm say here that. to I'll tell you about this dystopia in a depressing way. Wait, here you go. I like to rap about sweetened romance. My fond ambition is of your pants. Pardon me? <laughs> Excuse me? What? Fire-breathing lizard Gajiro, he my always big-time hero. Whoa, okay. What? He... Ugh. Ugh. I don't... I can't... I won't. <laughs> Sushi K concert machine, fast, efficient, super clean, run like clockwork in a watch, kick old rappers in the crotch. <laughs> so this sucks. Well, and it's <laughs> it's like spaced out like a song from The Hobbit, like over pages. <laughs> and like in between these verses, like Raven cuts a dude from like crotch to jaw and like you find his body and he like flayed it's really gr- gruesome and it's set up against this garbage sushi k rap it's, it's terrible good. terrible rap wow okay it's, neat. it's pretty good uh i didn't i didn't mention it earlier there's an interesting thing and i don't i don't know why stevenson did it particular there's um a couple like forum threads i found about it um he doesn't use the term Japanese. He uses the term Nipponese. And I know that okay. like Nihon and Nippon are like that. Those are actually how like names for Japan in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just interesting that he just committed to that. I think it's that kind of honors some of, you know, whenever I, when I was watching anime in my youth and some of it anime idiot (laughs) some of it is set in like you know neo tokyo or whatever and it's they don't call it japan they call it nippon or they call it Uh, right Mm -hmm. um and they would do it even in the like dumb subs like dubbed over versions that i'm like renting from my blockbuster video or whatever um, so I, I found that interesting, and uh, the the book seems to have this like a lot of holdover politics from World War II, um, with regards to like the bomb and yeah, the way I feel like that's just like a really easy inflection point for a like a sci-fi writer to grab onto is because there are a lo- there are a lot of different potential outcomes of that. And people like to grab onto that and say, well, what if the balance of power had shifted this way or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, as I can remember, they don't they don't spell all of that out as being too different. Like it is set in the 21st century, so it's not too much further ahead. Um, But it's easy to just assume that things went slightly differently after the Cold War. Like Mm -hmm. I think the Cold War still happened and the book just picks a divergent point from somewhere in the 1980s and just runs with it. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, the book, they, they solve it. Like, no, it's, it's an adventure story in, in this cyberpunk world. So like things come up. Okay. Uh, you get a lot more of hero than you do of YT. 
Um, and you only get a little bit of the kind of more mundane world building that's alluded to with all of this, like pizza murder. And see, like, I still I haven't asked about pizza murder because I already burned like twenty minutes of the I show know. on it. But it's I okay. still I'm really concerned that the book did not anticipate how interested I would be <laughs> in this whole pizza murder system. Pizza justice. <laughs> I do uh I I did there's like one section where you kind of get a dip into and this is something that Infinite Jest does spends a lot more time on well, it's a lot longer book. Um Yeah, it has a lot of time to spend. It has a lot of time to spend. <laughs> uh when cuz this is like a save the world hacker narrative. Um so it doesn't dip into as many scenes of like how is the world different because of all of this unless it relates to the action of the of the plot. Okay. Um, but YT's mom is a computer programmer for the feds. Um, whatever lingering government entity is there, they make software, and it's this kind of like office space on crack, like kind of terrible office environment. And there's this memo that goes around. Um, this is kind of a, a, a long form, struck me funny. Um, there's this memo that goes around about whether or not people in the office uh, are going to keep bringing their own toilet paper or not. Um, it, like they're going to like have like a toilet paper pool mm-hmm. so everybody can put their money together. And then the boss of the office has like a, a rubric because in the computer system, you can tell how long everyone spent reading this memo. <laughs> so... If, How seriously are you taking this toilet paper situation, well, Dave? And this is Come for on, like Dave. for most memos. So these are the notes. If you read it for less than ten minutes, it's time for an employee count conference and possible attitude counseling. For ten to fourteen minutes, keep an eye on this employee. Maybe developing slipshod attitude. Fourteen to fifteen point six one minutes. Employee is an efficient worker. May sometimes miss important details. Exactly 15.62 minutes, smartass, needs attitude counseling. What? 15, Why is there no normal? There's fi- no, like, good. 15.63 to 16 minutes, asswipe, not to be trusted. What? 16 to 18, employee is a methodical worker, may sometimes get hung up on minor details. More than 18 minutes, check the security videotape, see just what this employee was up to. So that's- I like that there's, like... There's like you can be pretty good and miss stuff. You can be pretty good and a little slow and inefficient. And then like all around both of those conditions exist like a million different little things. Yeah. And if that's like that's the that's the danger of data driven anything. Yeah. You 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 develop these rigid structures that ultimately like when applied to an individual don't mean anything even if in aggregate they do mean something yep yep uh, and you you get a little bit of that uh kind of more stereotypical dystopia in this section where it's like uh no one has their own individual computer so, like, when you show up, you just take the computer nearest the door so that everyone knows that you were there first. And you don't have paper at your desk because, like, why would you need paper? Just, like, everybody can read all the stuff you work on. 
Like, paper is really private and weird. Mm-hmm. Everything's owned by the government. Come on, dude. Um, so that's the... And that only slightly factors into the plot in that they use uh, YT's mom to get to her. Um, but I personally enjoy that chapter as almost like a... Not quite a short story, but it paints a, a sad future picture in the way that, you know, something like the lottery can or, or yeah, something like sure. that. Um, so tell me as we as we wrap up, like, tell me, I don't know, like what what's what stuck out to you about this book? Like, why do people remember this book? Well, is there anything about Stevenson's writing in particular that's really interesting? Like, what's the why is this valuable? Why should why should we pay attention to this? I think it's mostly the metaverse, I would say. Um, it's a combination of the metaverse and this like a, his ability to turn linguistics into a compelling plot device. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's a hard it's got to be a hard needle to thread, I imagine. I I could I could go back and reread those chapters and find them very interesting but they are not conventionally structured as a novel. Like it it is largely just a dialogue between a character, a disembodied character and another disembodied character um, with the, the reader's knowledge that they are like slowly solving this mystery of of ancient language. Um, Like every once in a while, the dialogue rings a little weird like in that sushi K fight sequence that I was telling you about, like Raven starts throwing spears at people and hero literally says like, uh, to some guy named squeaky. He's like, squeaky Raven. He's throwing spears and he's good at it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's meant to be funny or if it's just like a, a kind of a kathunk bit of dialogue. There's some of that going on where, the satire is either trying too hard or not trying hard enough um, from a style perspective. But Mm -hmm. I think, I think the reason that you come back to this book is like, you think through what language actually means. You think through this idea of how ideas spread. When, When I told you about like, uh, when you started riffing on memes and whatever, like that's not not related in a in a weird way, if only because it's like how you pass around any sort of intellectual idea, mm-hmm. um, and and the 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 metaverse is is cool. It's it's weird to read twenty four years later when like everyone discovered world at work world of warcraft and like people thought second life was gonna be like a thing and then it's still like a thing but not the thing they thought it was yeah i can't can't do it i've never spent a lot any like significant amount of time attached to a massive multiplayer online game Mm -hmm. i did i did my fair share of like chat room D and D as a kid, and messing around like that, but I I did not like commit to a virtual reality the way that this book does. Yeah, I don't know if I don't. It seems like you did not either because you have not jumped at the chance to talk about it 
No, no. <laughs> okay, cool. That's Snow Crash. Yeah, Snow Crash. Let's talk about... You could hit us up. If your pizza came late and you don't know what to do about it, you should you email us. you need to commit a pizza crime, well, you need us to send out a chopper okay. because your pizza, you're just not sure that your pizza's going to make it there in time. You let us know. You let us we'll, know. We'll do the rest. You email us at overduepod at gmail.com. We've gotten some lovely emails in the past week. We'll get back to them as soon as we can if we haven't already. Um, you can also reach us on social media at facebook.com slash overduepod or twitter.com slash overduepod. It was such a great week to hear from you all. Like Andrew and I were talking about it basically every day. Um, and just to hear that some of you were listening to us when you were upset, like made us feel better when we were upset. So thanks everybody. Um, that includes AJ, Melissa, Bovin, Lindsay, Grace, Bailey, Sabrina, Dave, Donna, Camille, Graham, Tiffany, Lola, Mr. J, Kate, Joe, Marcy, Amanda, Anne, Daisy, Michael, Taylor, Alicia, Mrs. Trefithic, Annie, Tracy, Steve, Charlotte, Haley, and I got a couple more over here. That's Amy, Natalie, Morgan, Jessica, Ellen, Albi, Anna, Ray, Rhea, Stephanie, Dina, uh, Deanne, and Christina. Thank you, everybody. We have the best listeners in the world. Andrew, where should they go if they want to find out more about the show? If they want to find out more about the show, they can go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website. We have links to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, RSS, the different ways you can use to subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe in iTunes in particular, do leave us ratings and reviews because that makes us feel better when we need to feel better, which lately is all the time. And it helps us rise in those cold, unfeeling algorithmic rankings, and it helps more people find the show. Um, also up on the website, we have links to our Patreon project, which you can use to support us financially. We have Amazon links to the books that we have read and are going to read. We have links to HeadGum, our podcast network, Spreaker, our podcast host, um, past episodes, all kinds of stuff up on the website. Like It's, our, it's the, the place to go to know more about Overdue. Um, what am I reading next week? That's a good question. I believe it's the I believe it's the Neil <laughs> it's, Gaiman book. It's the Neil right? Gaiman book. Ocean at, Ocean the, end at the end of the lane. At the by end of Neil the lane. Gaiman. Yes. Okay. Um, and then after that, you're going to be reading the History of Love by Nicole Kraus. Um, our bonus episode for the month, and we we asked people on Twitter about this because I I know that. Like a lot of you have told us this week that the, like you just need you need some escapism. You need to listen to some voices that just sound normal and not weary and resigned. And I totally I completely 100 percent understand that because I'm leaning on all the podcasts I listen to for that as well. Um, so I think our bonus episode this this month is going to be like us processing our feelings. And we're going to try to, you know, to the extent that we can to keep it off the main feed. And hopefully, like those of you who don't agree with us politically, like like that's fine, and you can just kind of ignore that and and go your separate way. But um, or if that's not what you're looking for, because you just want to listen to books, like go yeah, back, yeah, and, yeah, go back and listen to uh, an old episode of ours. Go listen to a literary disco episode. Go listen to a librarian is in episode. Um, there's there's stuff there that you could listen to in that hour of our bonus episode if that's not what you want. Um, but we know that some people uh, were keen to share that kind of conversation with us, so we're gonna we're probably gonna go for it. 
Yeah, yeah. I just I, I want everybody to to just like know what they're getting into because it's yeah. So so we'll uh, we'll be recording that in the next like week or so I think, and we'll let you know more when we know about it. And we should have um, some merch stuff to share with you guys really soon. I've gotten some proofs for uh, some mugs and for some tote bags. Yeah, that look pretty good. We've got t-shirt stuff just about lined up. So so things are things are coming together. And you should know more about that in the next week or so. Buckle up. Um, yeah. So so thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being there for us. And I hope that we can do the same for you. Um, we just, we are, we all, we're all still here, you know? Make people feel seen. Make people feel heard. Yeah. Be good people. Yeah, like we know that you that's, are. That's my jam. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. And until then, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.